Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. You see people, they, they come into money or they come into fame and, yeah, they change. And I was never allowed to even think about doing that because my mates or my brothers would just beat me down. And at the end of the day, we're all just bare bums in the shower, really. From the team at Men's Health Australia, you're listening to Strength Sessions, a podcast that goes beyond the definition of strength. I'm Scott Henderson. And I'm Lincoln Lewis. And on the show today, we are joined by a bloke who wears many hats. He's a three-time world champion surfer, a businessman, a shark attack survivor, and a soon-to-be dad. So yeah, you pretty much guessed it. It's the legend himself, Mick Fanning. Now, Mick has always got a lot going on in his life, and since he retired from surfing in 2018, he's only been getting busier. From launching and selling his brewery, Bolter, to now working with the conservation of sharks, Mick joins us now to talk about it all. Hey, Mick Fanning, welcome to the studio. Good to have you, Jimmy. Uh, yes. yeah, good. Welcome to Thanks Strength Sessions. So, mate, Cheers. before we dive in, congrats are in order. Baby on the way, new fiance. Mm-hmm. How good? Yeah, no, it's a bit happening at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, we found out having a baby in August and... Uh, yeah, so I thought I'd slip over and got my knee back in working order. So I see if I'll, so you I'll test you'd it out. Bend down, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 How good. <laughs> <laughs> now, mate, I remember reading your—I don't know—it was an autobiography, but a biography back in 2009. Mm-hmm. I'm calling it most premature biography in the history of books. There's mm-hmm. been so much that has happened since that time. Bit, bit on. Bit on. We're, we're, having, we're having a little chat about this uh, before you got in, mate. It's like even if we have a little catch-up chat weeks or even a, just a couple of months in between chats, it's we need so much time for a new catch-up because you are just always <laughs> yeah. moving around. You're always busy. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it back from the last 12 months mm-hmm. just to start with because so much has happened then. Mate, since then, you, you've sold Bolter. Mm-hmm. How, I guess, we'll start with that. How is that? You know, obviously, that's kind of like a baby, saying goodbye to a baby. And Yeah, yeah. Look, it was a, it was a big decision um, throughout the, you know, the whole team. Um, we sort of got an offer that we couldn't really refuse. You know, obviously, we, we built it up as our baby and we're all so passionate about it. But in saying that, we're all still there. Yeah. Um, you know, we sold the CUB, but... They've kept us on for for the next five years just to keep steering the ship and um, and you know still be involved and making sure that uh, the beer's still the same, uh, the vibe's still the same, and um, we're still having a lot of fun. So uh, awesome. yeah, well that that was a big part of the contract was um, you know Scotty still makes the beer how he wants to make the beer and. Yeah. Um, yeah, everyone everyone was happy in that sense, and uh, it was it was a tough decision. But uh, at the end of the day, it was it was really good security for our staff to you know knowing that they're all locked in for five years is, is pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, so um, you know, obviously there's things that get thrown out. Oh, you guys are sellouts and this and that. But we created this brand from scratch, and um, and it's not something that we just want to throw away. You know, so. You know, you put so much time and effort into it, especially the more so the 
the staff that are in there day in day out, like our upper management team, the guys on the on the deck brewing the beer, making sure everything gets done right. Like they they pull some massive hours, and so like really needed to make sure that those guys were really looked after and made sure that those guys were uh, happy with the, the decision. wasn't just like we're coming in and just getting a paycheck and leaving. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah. See you guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Fanning yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now it's cool to hear that because like it, it, it's, it's a testament to obviously your character and I'm sure to the, to the other fellas who, who have started Bolters, but it's, it's, I just want to take it right back is this is the way you're talking about this. This is the way I've, the only way I've ever known you. And when I say the ever known you, you were the first interview I ever had. And I was this little <laughs> 17 or 18 year old Grommy. And it was the first job I ever had as, as an interviewer. And I think this is the first thing I've done interview wise since, but you were just so patient with me. And I remember this, you were so giving and generous with your time. And then I remember a year later, I got home and away and I was walking around uh, ANZ stadium for state of origin. And then I just hear this bloke call out first I hear Lincoln and I didn't really hear it that well. Then I just heard go New South Wales, Queensland sucks. And I turned and I see you standing up, looking at me, just waving, just like with this biggest grin on your face. Yeah, and, mate. Mate, and I was so, I was so stoked because like, obviously myself, Scotty, so many people everywhere look up to you and idolize you. And every, every interaction we've ever had, has always just been one of just a giving generous nature and the stories that people I've spoken to that have had interactions with you since always have that exact same image of you impression of you. And, and, and I, I kind of, the question I, I want to ask through all that is um, like through everything, nothing has ever changed. And do you like, you've got such a great mindset and I, I want to know what do you attribute that to? Yeah, look, I guess it's just older brothers, <laughs> you know, uh, and I've got a great group of mates. You see people, they, they come into money or they come into fame and, yeah, they, they, they change. And I was, I, was never, I was never allowed to even think about doing that because my mates or my brothers would just beat me down so quick. And <laughs> Link does that to me all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, he... And at, at the end of the day, we're all just bare bums in the shower, really. We're, you know, you're, you're not like just just because you use better soap doesn't mean you're better than someone else. But um, yeah, it's that's just the way. That's just why I've been brought up. And um, on the giving side, I, I guess it's more just we didn't have much growing up, and um, everyone just sort of worked as a team, and everyone did their best. And so yeah, I sort of still still just that sort of vibe of just like, all right, just do what you can when you can. And if you can help someone, help them. If you need help, put your hand up. You well, know? mate, on the, on the helping thing, one thing that's really resonated with me this last year is you've become quite an outspoken advocate for the protection of sharks, mm -hmm. which obviously, you know, the infamous J-Bay Bay attack. And I think to see someone like yourself that's had that experience, you know, there's like yourself and Paul DeGelder that kind of hold on this pedestal for, for you know, you've both had your own sort of separate experiences with sharks and now you're out there protecting them. Is that something that kind of grew from that experience at J-Bay or is that something that you've always, just as a surfer, had that connection to the ocean? Yeah, look, I think it's just that's something you always have with the ocean. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the, the shark thing um, got brought to light with my interaction in J-Bay um, and especially because there's been so much activity around um, Ballina and, um, you know, I've had – it's affected 
friends that I'm close to and yeah, I, I, I personally just want to learn more. You know, I just finished a doco with um, this film studio and Nat Geo and Taylor Steele. And, um, yeah, we've gone on this journey of trying to figure out why sharks are um, doing what they're doing and, um, and also how important they are for the environment. Uh, but also, too, for me, it was a, a big personal journey to, to see if I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I'm still messed up in the head or not. Um, and what did and- you find? Uh, you have to wait and see. Oh. No spoilers here, mate. <laughs> uh, almost got the exclusive. I, I actually yeah, didn't yeah. need that. I was just yeah, like, yeah. what's drawing no, in? Like- it, was, it, was, it was awesome fun. Like the whole, the whole experience was incredible. Yeah. Um, you know, we went to the Bahamas. We went to um, Miami and then down to South Australia um, and had some really cool people come, come in on the, uh, on, the ex- on the experience. And, yeah, it was it – was, it, I learned so much about them. I, I learned, you know, I, I guess people picture sharks and you say shark and they think of just killers in the water, which yep. it's so not. You yeah, know, yeah. It's, um, so it was, it was really interesting for me to even learn that, you know, like just and just how important they are for the oceans and, and you know, especially with so much talk around cl- climate change and they're really good mark stick for what's happening in the oceans on top of climate change and stuff so it, it was very interesting yeah unreal and um i guess you know you've retired and now i want to just kind of turn the focus on to surfing a little bit and you've told me before you don't want to announce your comeback through men's health so that's <laughs> that's totally fine but um are you going to take you're taking on a role like a mentor role with the australian surf team right or? yeah look uh, i i for a while there i was sort of planning on um helping out bead with the coaching and yep. stuff um and actually going but now i'm having a baby i had to put that all on the back burner <laughs> and uh i might have to go to france instead now so um yeah i'm not going to make it over this year but um yeah on the on the mentor thing it's sort of just look i i've experienced a lot uh in the surfing role um in the surfing world and I've always told people if if they ever wanted to, you know, learn or or get help or, you know, even just bounce ideas, that's that's something that I'm always willing to open my books to. I was yeah. never a person, you know, some people keep all their secrets to themselves yep. and I was never that guy. I sure. I was like I would tell guys in my heat like you know, this and that. And, Don't yeah. paddle for that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if you know it's good oh, for I've you. Heard those stories. Yeah. Um, but it was just more look, I'm I've done my experience and if if you want to use that stuff against me and, and you beat me, then awesome. What I'm doing yeah. is great. But if you know I, I, I love the, I love the extra challenge too. But yeah. um yeah, I'm always open to helping and that was sort of a big thing working with my coach uh phil mcnamara as well we're always open to new people coming in and helping them achieve their goals as well so unreal Mm. and so you know obviously you know you have been through it all you know you've had three world titles i guess going right back to 2004 when you tore your hamstring off the bone you said that that was kind of a turning point because you know you hadn't been taking your surfing as seriously as it could have been and you know that focusing on that recovery and obviously the lead up to your second world title in 2009 that was kind of the formative part of your career is that is that true is that very much so yeah um 
you know, up until that point, things came pretty easily for me. You know, it was, you know, I got on tour after my second year of trying, first year number five in the world. And, you know, I was like, oh, I can do this. <laughs> um, and and when I when I did my hamstring, I was just like, I didn't, I didn't appreciate everything that I had. I was sort of being, you know, a little obnoxious little brat. Uh, and I got to a point, I remember watching it on TV. I was watching a heat and I was, I, I thought I actually got absolutely smashed in this heat. But then the more I watched it, I was like, actually, I didn't lose by that much. And it was just because I, I wasn't that sharp because I, you know, a few nights before I'd been on the piss. <laughs> um, so it was it, this huge guilt came over me and it, it just, it tore me up. Like I didn't really sleep for a couple of days cause I was just so angry and, I, and it shifted my whole focus in that injury as well. I was like, all right, if you're going to do something, do it right. And so yeah, fully just shifted everything. And um, yeah, if I, I'm so glad that it, like even though the injury was real shit, um, but I got to watch that and I got to realize the what I get to do is such a blessing. And then, um, yeah, and so yeah, I thought I'd give it all my all. And injury yeah. itself almost might have been a bit of a blessing in disguise, you know, so to speak. I think they all are. I think they all are in a way. You know, everyone thinks that. Um, you know, I always believe that things happen for a reason. And it, it definitely was for me. It, it, I don't think I would have achieved what I did achieve if I didn't have the injury. I probably would have just been, you know, an almost there guy. I don't think I would have, like, committed as hard as that I needed to. And But also, too, like, going through that whole process, I learned about the body. I learned about uh, my mind, you know, just food. And so it was, it was yeah, a real blessing in disguise. And then... As I started going through my career, I felt things just starting to shift. I felt like, um, you know, I guess people always sit there and go, oh, you know, retired because of his uh, year they had in 2015. But it was, I was talking to people, you know, earlier you know even through my 2013 world title year i was like hey i don't know how long i'm going to be here for like uh i don't know how long i'm going to be on tour for like there's there's different things in life that i want to do and um but now like once i got off tour the big focus is just experiences It's, it's about putting yourself way out of your comfort zone uh but also trying to learn from these experiences like you know, what am I going to take on to the next chapter of my life? Um, it's funny how you called it tour life then because it almost like when you look at someone like yourself and all that you've achieved since you've reti- well, retired from surfing world, it's not actually a retirement. It's, no. It's literally just an evolution of your career. And I feel like saying tour life, that's kind of the best way to put it because you've almost been busier and, and kind of having these outrageous experiences. You know, you like you said, fatherhood, but then you've entered entrepreneurship. You, you're still exploring. You're still expanding your surfing life. It's almost just like you're becoming the surfer of the future. The yeah, pro- just yeah. old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, look, I, I think, you know, I, I, I think people sort of, they do their sport or, you know, especially for sports people because you do – 
retire from your sport at such an early age. Um, that was a big part of me is like I still want to go and surf all these waves before I get too old and I, you know, break. But also that was sometimes sports people lose themselves in what they do. They That becomes their identity. Yeah. Uh, and so for me it's like, okay, I am a surfer but that's not exactly who I am. I want to be more than just the guy that's gone and, one world titles or one events or uh, so evolving from that has been a, a, a really fun challenge uh, and you know just going and trying new new things like trying to host the documentary and um, entrepreneurship and all these sort of things you don't really have time when you're on tour when you're focusing on your craft but now I do have time it's sort of like Let's give it a go. See how it goes. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, look, some go good, some go bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's a really um, important point as well, you know, of, of athletes when they hit that retiring from, from competing, being tied up in that identity. And then you see so many stories of, you know, uh, athletes kind of, you know, just trying to find themselves and almost losing their way a little bit because they were so tied up in their sport. How do you attribute to? I mean, that kind of hasn't happened to you. How do you? What do you attribute that to? Look, I, I'll, I'll be honest. I'm one of the lucky ones where I've been able to go and do things outside of the tour due to the fact that I got great sponsors. I got great support. Uh, not everyone's that lucky, you know. I've got mates who are on the building side after tour, and um, I even just had this conversation the other day. Is like, you know. Aren't all surfers all set up after after tour life? And no, like there's there's very few. Um, so yeah, look, I'm very lucky in that sense. But in saying that, I'm willing to take chances. Um, I'm willing to take a risk and um, just see what comes of it. But yeah, not everyone has that luxury. Yeah, yeah. And do you miss tour life at all? No, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, Look, I, I still love watching the tour. Like I probably love watching it way more now that I'm outside of it than I did on tour because yeah. when I was on tour, I was always thinking, you're always thinking about, oh, if this guy gets through, it's going to affect my results. <laughs> uh, you, you're thinking, looking into the waves and stuff, you always got this uh, anxiety in you, like, oh, I've got to go and surf this. So you're not looking at, at as a pure fan yeah. where now I'm outside of it I can look at it as a pure fan I can sling shit at people and, yeah. and I not feel better. bad about <laughs> it um, and have to go and prove myself in the same <laughs> conditions um, but it's it's definitely I really enjoy watching it because I know the hard work that goes into what they're doing but also I can you can see little different things of why things are going right or wrong for different people and um it, it's been fun just being a fan like yeah. i wake up at stupid hours just to, to watch the event it's Sick. it's classic like for the <laughs> for the last day when the world title was getting decided this year it was like i was up at two i'm like you know checking in with the boys yeah, yeah. is it on is it on <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was fun it was good fun Now you get to surf waves all over the world still if you you know if you want to besides the camaraderie is there anything about the tour that you miss 
yes and no. Um, I felt like like I really missed the people that I had on tour and the people that I'd go and see on tour, all the different friends around the world. But I sort of feel like I can go and see them whenever now. Um, or I can, if I miss the waves, I can always go back to these waves um, and not have to worry about putting on a jersey because you don't actually surf that much when you're on tour. You're like, you've got your heat and then you have to sit around. There's a lot of downtime. Um, but look, when I was in it, I absolutely loved it. I, I, I don't look back and regret anything on tour it was just it, i had a lot of fun and i loved the for me the the best part of it was being able to challenge myself and seeing if i get ready f- and focused for you know for the event window and be the best i can possibly be at those times i was meant to surf and that that was fun that's that's probably a part of me that i sort of miss a little bit um you know just having to perform it certain moments but in saying that i don't walk around with anxiety anymore which is good (laughs) and looking back you know obviously such a big career is there a wave a win a heat that stands out as kind of the peak of your career yeah look i i guess there's a few different things probably the event win that i'm most proud of is j bay 2016 you know the year after shark incident but going back there you know, I didn't have to go back. I just wanted to go back and just be like, hey, I want to... I had unfinished business in my own head. Yeah. But on top of that, like n- not everyone knows, but I blew my ankle out 10 days before the event. I could barely even walk. So that was a just the whole lead up to that event and to go through that event um, was just really satisfying for me. It was a proud moment for... All right, I performed when i needed to perform and you know had everything sort of come together and but it was weird too because during that whole event i was so calm yeah which was really weird uh yeah it was just you know how you just see sometimes things just happen and you don't like they call it the zone sometimes but i wasn't really in the zone (laughs) i was i was just like if i needed a wave it would pop up if i needed well that 2016 season you were just like as a fan you it was like effortless it was you know like was that that was the bells win that you uh no that was 15 15 was was bells yeah bells um but it was almost like you knew you could smell that freedom. Like you knew yeah. that retirement was coming and yeah. you, were just, you were actually enjoying, like the, the surfing just was so free. And, yeah, cheers. And uh, yeah, 2016, I sort of had half a year off. Yeah. And it was a lot of finding myself again, you know, the tumultuous 2015 year. Uh, it was something that I just needed to go and fill up the, the fun barrel again. Like yeah. I felt really empty. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I just knew that, everything i was going on holidays after pretty much every event i only did five <laughs> events which was good yeah. um which you know but it was um you know going back to that that question earlier about trying to f- find yourself after surfing it was yeah. terrifying thinking about okay i'm gonna take a half a year off like it weighed on my shoulders so bad and i was so scared to actually put it into words but when I did and um it felt great but then I had half a year of learning what 
off tour life was like. Yeah. And so I sort of had a, you know, it's almost like a, an apprenticeship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, for me, it was, it was perfect. I, I needed it. Otherwise, who knows, I could be the, the maggot down the pub now telling yeah. people how good <laughs> I was back in. <laughs> well, I remember we spoke on the day that you announced your retirement and you kind of said, and it was just a really great message, you were like, you know, it was kind of everyone I think on that day was asking you the same question, how did you know, how do you know? And you were like, well, when the love and the passion wasn't there, that's when I was going to step back. Mm. And that's kind of what the point you got to where now it kind of seems like you're falling in love with the sport again because that pressure is not there. I was always in love with surfing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just I just I've, I started finding holes in my game. Um, you know, I wasn't preparing as well. I wasn't, um, you know, as focused, and 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 that started. It's that guilt feeling started coming back from like 2004. You know, I, yeah. I was like, oh, if I'm not gonna do it. And or if I'm gonna do it half assed then why be there? Yeah. You know, why don't you go and just do something else and do that full on? And so that was sort of a, a big thing for me. And yeah, I, I remember exactly when I decided I'm done. I was sitting in the car park for four hours waiting for a heat and I'm like, There's gotta be funnier funner stuff to do than this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was such a beautiful day too. Like the waves were firing and just I, I was just like I could have go elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So I made it right there and there. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> and we were just talking before, obviously next step for you, the next big step is fatherhood. Mm. <laughs> Genius of um, getting a maternity shoot and then proposing. So you get the, the engagement photos out of the way as well. Yeah. Absolutely genius. <laughs> <laughs> it almost didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was, it was, it was funny, uh, you know, with Brie, with, I'm like, oh, look, because it was when all that rain was around and I was like, I know there's going to be a window this Friday, Arvo, and yeah. hopefully it works. And, and I was like, like I only, um, only myself and my friend knew, Corey, who took the photos, were like, let's go get it done. And, and Bree was like, I've got nothing to wear, I've got this. And we're like, well... We're not doing it. Like, don't worry about it. Let someone else tell the story, you know, because we hadn't announced the baby at that time. Yeah. And and I'm like, all right, let someone else do it. And she's like, all right, we'll do it. We'll do it. <laughs> and so I just <laughs> fully hoodwinked her. And and uh, yeah, when when she when I fell over on one knee, it, she was just like, what? It was it was pretty <laughs> special. But yeah, it, it's um, it is yeah, just everything came together that yeah. day. You know, it's like. And he's, um, so obviously the plan is to take a bit of time out from, from all these projects while, when the baby arrives. Mm -hmm. or, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not missing being there. So yeah, I'm sort of, I'm sort of going to be home from, you know, July through to whenever I need to be. Um, you know, I, I feel like it's such a big, important pinnacle in anyone's life that i want to be present i want to be you yeah. know on the ground yeah. I, you know there with the cricket mitts just, <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get my sleep in now yeah. Yeah. yeah and um mate a question that we ask everyone that comes on this podcast and there's no right or wrong answer but in your opinion in 2020 you know what does strength mean strength um 
I almost enjoy the reaction to the question yeah, more than the answer. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's well, I can give you like a real stupid answer and just go to someone who's strong. Um, <laughs> but yeah, look, um, I, I, think it, I think it's courage. I think it's like um, being able to speak your own truth and, and be comfortable with that and um, just being you. Uh, there's so many stereotypes now, especially with, you know, what you should be on, especially with social media these days. Like everyone's meant to be 100% happy all the time. But, you know, it's, it's okay to say you're having a shit day. You know, I think mm. that's that 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 takes a lot of strength to be honest with people. So, that's I'll go with that for twenty twenty. Courage, yeah. love it, love it, love it. <laughs> awesome, thanks, thanks brother. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening to this season of Strength Sessions. We'll be back soon with more incredible stories. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.